Hello, and welcome to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. I am Matthew Arkin, and that is my brother, Anthony Arkin. And today we are talking about 1932's Rain, starring Joan Crawford and Walter Houston. It is a fantastic tale of a prostitute and a minister. Uh, I think this is the, the, the movie that get, gave rise to the phrase, said the bishop to the chorus girl. <laughs> and uh, Anthony and I are going to dissect it. So please stick around and enjoy the convo. We also have a special guest, Peter Stray, to talk about his new podcast, Rise of Hans. And uh, we're going to catch up just after this. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win, and Matthew, and Matthew should win, and Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. I wonder why it must rain. Doesn't it ever stop? Yes, ma'am. Doesn't it ever stop? Doesn't it ever stop? You know, I think there's got to be a whole bunch of people who just tune in for the, the cold open and the credits. It's To me, it's the best part of the show. At least they're tuning in for something. Yeah, yeah that's right. How are you? It's good to I'm, see you. I'm good. It's good to see you. I'm having, having some technical issues here at the home office. I, I apologize. You seem um, much more cheerful right now than you did about 30 seconds ago. Well, you know, when those bright I'm a happy go lucky sort of a fella. <laughs> when those bright lights hit me and the show starts you know yeah but okay. you know, i'm just glad this is working i didn't even know if i'd be able to get on the show here so yeah okay but i just a few minutes ago learned something and i'm sorry everything else is gonna have to wait because there is something we have to talk about oh, wait this sounds I, like this is gonna be at my expense somehow you learn something about no me. no not oh. at your expense okay. i think it's it's gonna lead you down a rabbit hole of glee and and happiness okay uh, I, i'm sure you already know all about this i didn't just came to my attention because i live in a cave right of of booze um not, not that i'm an alcoholic a cave of working on booze anyway right. working alcoholic um, is that what you meant I, is that what you said a work yeah, yeah. have a drink <laughs> Yeah, there we go. So I want you to cast your mind, if you will, back to the summer of 1981. Uh, our parents were away and they had left poor young 13-year-old Anthony in the care of his older brother for the first time, just, you know, all alone with me. And uh, I had to take care of my little brother and I wanted to go on a date. And I was like saying, how can I make both of those things happen? How can both of these things happen in an appropriate way? Right. And looking in the newspaper, I saw an ad for a, uh, a special sneak preview, studio sneak preview of an unknown movie. I don't think it even had the name, but I think it may have said something about the director or whatever. And so uh, I arranged to, to get us to this sneak preview in, in, Bedford, Bedford Hills, no Bedford in the town of Bedford at the Bedford yes. Playhouse. Bedford Playhouse, right? Bedford Off Playhouse, Route 120, 122, or Route twenty two, one twenty two. I think Route twenty. No, not twenty two, because twenty two goes up to Katona. It's, people don't need a geography lesson. Well, anyway. just, I'd like to know. Yeah, and uh, we went there not knowing what to expect, 
and sat. And when the movie was over, we sat there awestruck and knew that we had witnessed history and it changed the course of my younger brother's life. Yes. And that movie was Tootsie. <laughs> that, Wait, yeah. no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Tootsie's a fine film, but it was the yes. wrong one. Uh, that movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. And about a half an hour ago, I saw the previews for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> and have you seen the previews yet? I saw them in the background on one some kind of ad page that I was on, so I haven't actually seen it yet. Well, um, they just released the previews, so you okay. can go online after the okay. show. And and it it looked like uh, to the in the previews, it looks like they got it right. Really? Yeah. To me, From the advance word suggests no. I mean, oh, the, really? the, there's been there was a lot of flack at the first like test screenings, apparently. Really? And they were scared. Apparently ah. they were really nervous uh, that it wasn't playing well, but maybe they fixed the, They've been working on it and tinkering on it for a long time. So maybe they fixed the stuff that the audience didn't like. Or maybe like with so many previews, they put the seven it's good, the moments good stuff in the movie. Um, it's just the good stuff. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the crystal skull. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was in the sense that, I kind of got too old to have this big stake in how that franchise was being handled, but right. um, I hope they'll reclaim some. I mean, he is getting up there to be playing an action hero. I I know that everybody's a little concerned it won't go well, but they've de-aged him like a la the Irishman a lot in this thing, I think. Well, and, and they've actually worked that into the plot of the movie. The de-aging? Yeah. Uh, because it is the dial of destiny, and I think they they go back in time. They turn back. They, they oh. turn back the clock, so that it it makes a certain amount of sense within the context of the movie. Because in the previews, at least, he's old. Also, I mean, he's he's the age that he is now in the previews in moments of it as well. Interesting. Well, that so, is a smart way to handle that problem. Yeah, I, I bet that our our uh, our um guest will know something about this too my guess right. is he may uh have some in input or info on it um but that's awesome yeah well you know you you and i that was a formative movie going experience for me obviously i couldn't have been the writer age the writer time the writer person to see uh, a sneak peek of raiders of lost ark before anybody knew what it was i mean i remember you took me to the theater and you said i got something really exciting and i was like what what do you what could be star right. wars already came out like how much more exciting is this going to be right and you were like kind of almost as exciting maybe because you recognize that guy and you pointed to harrison ford in the poster and i was like oh my goodness that that looks like han solo and you're like that that is han solo yeah. oh wow you remember it more than i do um oh, yeah of course, it was a date for me, so I had other things on my mind. I remember um, somebody, uh, remember you there with a date. Um, I don't remember anything inappropriate. It's funny, I'm reading the new, uh, th this this new Tarantino book that yeah. he put out called Cinema Speculations, which if you haven't read it yet, I, I recommend. I'm halfway through and I'm enjoying it a lot. It's uh, He's a good writer and, and he, he has great, I mean, he's just got really fascinating insights into movies. Surprise, surprise, but... I didn't necessarily think he'd be able to, you know, write like real film lit 
you know this is film study stuff and it's it's really good um and he talks about going to the movies with his mom who was divorce a divorcee at the time when he was 13 with her dates and them going on dates and taking him as a kid so this mirrored very much you know one of the experiences i was just reading about Oh, great. And also, you know, one of the things that I've always uh, been very happy about is that as an older brother, uh, to be able to do something like that, it, it was such a win for me that I feel like I get to I get a pass and can crap on you for the rest of my life. Oh, you! And, I mean, you uh, introduced me to the good stuff. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's lodged in my memory forever. Wait a second. I introduced you to the good stuff. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound white white powder yeah. there we go you know, well the it drugs is in the madness of the 70s that's what it I'm was about. the china white of the of film at the time for it was it was a heavy dose of drugs for 13 <laughs> um so um what else going on in your life this past week uh watching anything seeing anything any momentous events um well let's yeah. see i went to a couple movies um at the theater today this week uh, I, as you know, I love the Burn Center up in Pleasantville. It's one of the best art houses in the in the country. I just think it's fantastic. Not that I've been to every art house in the country, but I'm just saying I like it a lot. I got you. And uh, we saw the uh, went to see the new Spielberg movie, The Fablemans. The Fablemans. Um, not Fablemans. Fablemans. Although nothing wrong with Fablemans. Fable, I said Fablemans. Not the name of the movie. I said Fablemans. It's, it's a little hard to say with the the <laughs> accent. Okay. Um. And uh. And then we saw uh, an oldie. We saw um an old Howard Hawks movie called Ball of Fire oh. with uh, Gary Cooper and and Barbara Stanwyck, and that was fantastic. Thirty five nice. millimeter print, like gorgeous, just fantastic. Wow, so film. I was in movie heaven. Yeah. So it's film, something they used to make. Something that they used to do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't yeah. really do much yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um. Well, I started watching, uh, you know, as I do, a British uh, another British, uh, British crime, yeah, British crime series called Grace, that's uh, really quite wonderful. Um, and uh, what what, uh, what makes this one different than the other crime shows? Nothing. It's just a different it's just weave a, of sweater. <laughs> different sweater. Uh, <laughs> it's just very, very. It's just incredibly uh, wonderful actors. Uh, the the character of uh, Grace is played by a wonderful British actor named John Sim. Uh, there's a fellow Richie Campbell who I've seen on many other shows. Who, if you don't know his work, is always spectacular. Um, and he usually plays a bad guy, and he's playing a good guy in this one, but a kind of like unlikable good guy. So uh -huh. it's it's really wonderful and fun to watch. But then also right before we started the show. I stumbled across because uh, I was killing some time on Facebook before the show started. And uh, I stumbled across um, an ad for a show called Kunk on Earth, which, again, Peter Stray may well know about. It's a, a British show, a mockumentary uh, with a, 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 a reporter, um, Philomena Kunk who is doing a, a sort of BBC Richard, Richard Attenborough, This Is Earth series, you know, okay. interviews with people, right. the history of the planet and art and civilization, but in the in the vein of an idiot like Al, Ali G. Um, oh, that sounds good. You know, and in this, I so I watched about 15 minutes of it and she's uh, 
in this episode she's she's taught goes into a cave and is looking at cave drawings and you know <laughs> you know she says uh she looks at, at what cave drawing of like the hunters and the and the cows the cow images and she's it's got dialogue like we don't narration like we don't know why humankind was at war with the cows and tragically we probably never will (laughs) well that sounds like fun i'd like to see that she's asking a a a a, um an anthropologist you know if anybody's ever made movies out of these cave paintings and and why not you know right because they're like she compares them to the Fast and Furious Seven of civilization at the time, right? Yeah. Like Ali G asking, uh, you know, the astronaut, "Why haven't we sent a man to the sun?" Sun, yeah. And uh, the the woman who plays uh, Philomena Kunk is uh, quite Diana Morgan. Uh, very, very funny, very talented. Okay. So, wow. Well, that's, watching, it's interesting that that, that got more time than the, than this new Spielberg movie. I'm just saying. No, we talked about the Spielberg movie a lot. No, about? I wouldn't if I was you. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't if um, I was you. Okay, um, now my reception's bad again. This is okay. going so badly technically. I, I I'm very calm about it, but it is. From from on my end, you look great. So okay. you, you don't need to worry. You're not really stuttering. Um, I'm just paranoid. So uh before we get into talking about today's movie though. Uh, we, we do have, have to, yeah. We have a special guest who's waiting patiently. Yeah. Um, he is going to have to adjust his camera because, oh no, he's not. He's 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 doing that on purpose. Um, so we have. A, do you want to introduce our guest? I mean, he's your friend. I just think we bring him on and we 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 see we just hash it out. See what happens. We All right. See what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Peter Stray. Exciting. Meet the boy. Boy. Hello, Hawkins. Um, Always with the merch. You always got to lead with the merch. I understand. There he I is. Mean, this isn't merch. I just made this for myself. Oh, it's not merch. It's not like in the yeah. works to sell to Holy people. Willy, look at this. <laughs> yes. No, it's just an idea. This is a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, this is this is limited edition of one. Of course. No, we know we're no. I, I, I forgot you've hijacked our show before. You've been here. And this is true. I mean, I always try, you know, I try and like throw the grappling hook onto the, the good ship Arkin uh, just when you're live, you know, often in the comments. I knew I felt so something. I've got a fun fact for you, and you go, oh, God, it's the Welshman again, you know. To... <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, here I am uh, in, in Connecticut with uh, uh, that's the Welsh dragon behind me. And here is uh, uh, my signed photo from Alan Rickman from when I was uh, 11. Uh, wow. There you go. So that's that's framed. Um, Are you sure it was Alan Rickman and you hadn't just bumped into Fiona Hill somewhere? <laughs> um, Fiona Hill? Yeah. Have you ever noticed? You never. Do you remember Fiona Hill, the uh, CIA uh, advise Russia advisor who gave testimony during the Trump hearings? Who you now? Nothing too fancy now. Maybe our oh, producers can... some people that were likening her to Snape or something. Yeah, like they're, 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 oh, okay. maybe, yeah. maybe our producers can pull up one of the no, main. Well, well, first off, this was this was postal. This is the only fan letter I ever wrote, and uh, and I, you know, I got a got a response. So I, I think if Fiona Hill was sort of jumping on that, I wonder why that was a good use of her time. Well, she could have jumped on it because she was, you she, know, she, hey, if it was the CIA, I wouldn't know. 
I CIA would have... black ops. She could have hacked into his email yeah. or mail. Whatever. Just done a deal with with MI6. Yeah. Um, but thanks for having me on. I know you've got a uh, you've got um, some 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 rain uh, forecast to talk about. We do. Uh, we have rain forecasts to talk about, but we have we have. A... I wonder why it must rain. A more pressing uh, thing to discuss vis-a-vis a show that it happens that all three of us are connected to. This is true. So um, I made a, I, I wrote and directed and produced a, a sort of a, a mini audio dramedy series, uh, which I'm putting out in podcast form called Old Rab, uh, Old Rab. Old Habits, The Rise of Hans. Did you um, say old, old, were you going to say Old Rabbits? I was going to say Old Rabbits, yeah. I just now, wanted that, to make sure. That's, that's yeah, a podcast so I, old, I would tune in for. <laughs> I, I, no, there, there are several Old Rabbits <laughs> I know and love. But um, uh, uh, yes, it's Old Habits, The Rise of Hans. And uh, obviously called Old Habits because Old Habits is before Die Hard. Oh, um, now I get it. This is a, this is a comic prequel. Um, to Die Hard, but from the Hans Gruber's character's point of view, because he's a he's a much loved villain, and you know, really from his point of view, the whole movie is Ocean's Eleven. So it's really a question of sort of how how he got the team together, um, and and things like that, you know. And and there's so many wonderful allusions to his past in in the script of the film. You know, the the newscast talks about him being a member of the radical Volksfrei group in Berlin. And then he says, you know, I, I always enjoyed making models when I was a child. And, and then he, he uh, in Die Hard 3, then Jeremy Irons shows up as, as his brother. And I thought, all right, that's a that's an awkward family dinner that I'd like to be a fly on the wall for. Um, and uh, there, there's actually I, I've sent it a couple of clips. I don't know if uh, if uh, uh, family mm-hmm. dinner clip is possibly ready. This is when the, the, the Jeremy Irons character, Simon, shows up late. How long um, is the clip? Do not is it like an hour long? Brother. He's not even here. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Hello, mother. Hello, darling. Aunt. Simon. Anya. Mother. My motorcycle was pulled over, but the policeman and I came to an understanding. Which hospital should we send the lawyer to? No violence occurred. That's my boy. Lily threats. Regular as clockwork. What's that? Late entrance, the display of dominance. It's as if father never left. Well, someone has to fill those shoes. I'd also be very happy to put you over my knee. Dinner is currently achieving Arctic status. Perhaps Frau Goldman could heat this up? Nonsense. It will be fine. It's cold, mother. We've been sitting here for 30 minutes. Why are you so hostile? It's about the will, mother. The food is cold and the grapes are sour. <laughs> the reading of the will went precisely as expected. My grapes have never been sour. They're merely fermenting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so there you go. So that's that's an awkward family dinner with um, the, the very talented uh, Amelia Campbell as uh, um, Frau, you sound. Do say that. Can you take another take on that? Where you sound less surprised? Like you sound like very, uh, very talented. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sort, of, I'm sort of feigning as if like, oh, look who we happen to have. Oh, look who we have here. Yeah, uh, I guess yeah, I'm just. I, I feel a little hurt that you chose a clip that neither I or Matthew oh. were in to play. But oh well, I mean, there's there's a trailer. I've I've got other clips, but I don't want to. I bet when you were a kid, you caught flies and tore their wings off. I bet you stuck pins in frogs just to see them wiggle and flap while you read them a lecture. I know you. Why, you tell the heart out of your grandmother if she didn't think you'll win. Tell her you were saving her soul to something incredible. <laughs> That's not one of my clips, but uh, uh, what she said, <clears throat> basically, yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so there's um, there's you know there's obviously there are, there are, there's a lot of action scenes in it as well. But I figured out of context, lots of sort of gunfire and explosions. Um, Just a lot of clomping feet and people going oh and getting shoved around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and not to mention schnell schnell. There's a bit of that. Yeah. There's, you've got to have yeah. some. Schnell well, then that that could have been very exciting to hear though. But um, not as exciting as a scene that, uh, that uh, you know, Matthew or I were in that we could dissect and talk about our work and our approach. But I guess I, I'm not. not well, there, no, there is there is one where um, Tony uh, is uh, Tony. Tony. Well, you, you guys have multiple roles. This is kind of an ensemble, a wonderful ensemble international cast where people play more than one role. And um, one of Tony's roles is inspired by the William Atherton character in Die Hard. So it's a fictional podcast, but like clunk on earth um it's sort of told as if it's a true crime podcast um created by the william afton journalist character from from the original die hard and the second die hard richard thornburg so there's a, a clip of that with a, a bank job where he talks about um tracing hans tony and carl's first attempt at capitalist robbery security camera footage from the wilcoma bank shows three gunmen dressed as security personnel enter the premises and swiftly disarm the real guards. We can see a man who could well be Hans making a speech to the cowering customers, though sadly it is inaudible. We can also see one guard hide and a man we assume to either be Carl or his brother Tony talk to them and gesture as if coaxing them out of hiding. We then see the guard being tragically shot. Two men walk into the vault and one watches the staff and customers before all three men exit, like specters in the Berlin night, carrying three large duffel bags. Wow, you should think about doing that for a living, Tony. That, I... was, really, that was really good. Don't be crazy. Nah. Don't be crazy. That was really oh, you're good. awful good. Awful good. Oh, writing okay. the um, writing the stuff for the the journalist character played so well by Tony is uh, uh, was some of my favorite stuff to do because you know as if you remember from the the actual Die Hard movie Richard Thornburg has some of the most terrible purple prose as a journalist. Oh, he know. was rough on the ears. Um, yeah. So you know, specters in the Berlin night carrying three large duffel bags, as you know, and things like that. Um, uh, there's there's more there's more of that. You know, if you if you. Uh, follow and download there's there's a huge amount of uh well this in fact there are hours of those things because it's the the show is the show is many episodes long it's and well not, it's, not it's, if you download it when you download it when you download it exactly no well, it's, it's well a, yes when okay it's Thank a mini series so there are five episodes it's just five episodes and then there are also five companion like inside the episode episodes like you see on hbo where me and some guests like you guys talk about it um, but one thing I was hoping is if I can sort of sneak in here and 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 get get a clip for that with the companion podcast, which is called Hands On. You had a, so yeah, you had a couple of questions for us apparently oh, about the eighties. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's great is you were kind of already doing it before I started, where you were talking about memories from the eighties. Um, so so what? And, and this is stuff that you've talked about on your show before. So it's it's uh, uh, but but you have talked about obviously you know you grew up on movie sets, you know. Uh, you you would often like be on location with your dad, so I'm just wondering if, from the insider's point of view of being on a, an '80s movie set, if there are any particular memories that stuck out to either of you, you know, of of, of being on a set in the '80s, you know, for something uh, that yeah, that really sort of sticks in the memory. I know you guys talked about previously, like um, being on set with Rutger Hauer. Mm. Um. 
Well, yeah, I mean, sure. There's too many didn't. I mean, there. Are, I, I was on a lot of sets in the 80s. I was working as, you know, I was already working and I was also visiting a lot of people on sets. So I got, I don't know, most impressive 80s scenario. Um, That'll take 80s. me one second. 80s, 80s. I, you know, when you mentioned Rutger Hauer, Escape from Sobibor, we visited, you know, Matthew and I were both on that set, which was a TV film my dad did, our, our dad did. Uh, and I think that was late 80s. That was like 88 or 9, I think. Uh, yeah, they're thereabouts 80 87 i think and that was an amazing experience that was an epic <clears throat> epic tv film with an international cast rutger hauer was in that um Ju Ju um joanna pakula um an incredible in group of english actors <clears throat> kurt robb from uh, from germany and but it was, was a world war ii it was a world war ii era kind of like escape from a prison camp movie and it was an incredible <clears throat> production and experience to be around that was amazing yeah but if i remember correctly you and you, you i think you just sort of mentioned this off the cuff in a, a cafe in brooklyn at some point one of the most uh, interesting people you met during that stay wasn't actually in the the film but was having breakfast in the hotel is that right <laughs> oh, <laughs> mr. yeah yeah that was mr oliver reed that was a pretty amazing encounter it was extraordinary yeah, that was one of the weirder breakfasts I've ever I've ever had. And it yeah. was uh, it was just Matthew. It was just the two of us. We yeah. were we're having breakfast. Weren't we going to go to the set right and see them shoot something? And we were at the hotel, the Intercontinental, in what was formerly Belgrade. And um, a lot of actors were coming through then because they were shooting films there all the time. And we were just happened to be sitting. At a little banquet, only people in the restaurant when they ushered in this very well-dressed giant drunk man and sat us sat him next to us. Extraordinary. Um, um, it, did you did you get a sense? I don't know how old you were, but did you get a sense of oh, I I, I think I think this man is is three sheets, four sheets, five sheets. Oh, I was plenty. We were plenty old enough to know. We were I you know we were both you know graduates of schools and adult figures in society by the time we met oliver reed and, oh, and, uh, and, and drinkers ourselves yeah we had Why already you? started drinking we knew what was up with him but we also were palpably afraid uh, <laughs> i think that was you know more than noticing he was drunk or you know or being awestruck there there, there was a real sense of danger in the air uh for real like you didn't really know how it was going to go and the fact that it potentially could go towards physical violence was just obvious completely okay. obvious so so did he impart any drunken wisdom to you or, or talk to you about the industry he did remember impart, he did impart one bit of was see my memory i don't remember the breakfast so much as i remember the night before in the bar mm -hmm. with the the announcement to the bar before he left it oh. was the uh where he got everybody's, you remember the quote, he yeah. got everybody's attention in the bar before he left. There were sort of two groups of people drinking in the bar. There was the the Escape from Sobibor cast and crew, and there was the cast and crew of whatever movie he was working on in sort of separate areas of the bar restaurant. And all of a sudden we hear this man shouting to get everybody's... 
he shouts, gets everybody's attention. The entire place quiets down. He's like, everybody, everybody. We settle down, look over at Oliver, and he says, the hand, the heart, bananas, <laughs> and walked out of the bar. And it's become yeah. a, a catchphrase for our family. <laughs> um, the hand, the heart, bananas. It explains a lot. Yeah, it really does. And you don't know what else to say, but you're moved. Yeah, and, I remember yeah. he he told us about at breakfast. He told us about his pet rhinoceros. Um, <laughs> he got vaguely hostile, uh, but in a way that was hard to decipher, like to determine whether he was kidding or not. Um, I remember he got slightly anti-Semitic, possibly, but we couldn't quite tell because it was what was happening was just so strange. Here in the frozen north, in the land of the Eskimo. Goodbye, Mr. Davidson. Watching somebody polish off two bottles of champagne for break at breakfast just by themselves was something I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it, it, he didn't disappoint in any in any way. Like he was exactly it was exactly the kind of interaction you'd ex you'd kind of expect. That's extraordinary. And I mean, what's amazing is that I think on the in between shoots of, of Gladiator, obviously, he famously died halfway through shooting that. And he actually collapsed in a Spanish bar called The Pub. And, you know, I just sort of think prophetically, surely he must have said, oh, I'm going to die in the pub one day. John Bonham amounts of vodka or whatever they were serving him. And he yeah. died, right? That's how, didn't he die down there? Yeah, he, he died He died during the filming of Gladiator, so they had to sort of re-jig re things in editing. Well, before we met him, we had nothing to do with this. Um, yes. Uh, no, but... um. Uh, I suppose just just one more question is is given that that was you know it, around about the time when you met him was around about the time when Die Hard came out. Did do you have any memories of seeing uh, Die Hard for the first time and what your thoughts were? It, it, is it sort of stuck in your mind in a similar way to you know seeing Raiders for the first time? Um, for me, seeing Die Hard the first time was more the experience of huh, that guy who used to tend bar at the place I would drink has done pretty well for himself. And that's Bruce Willis. Yeah. Okay. So he was a bartender at your local. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't as impressionable when Die Hard came out. I mean, I, I was young, certainly a young man, and 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 appreciated. What was the year that it came out again? Eighty-eight. Yeah, eighty-eight. I mean, we were talking about Raiders. I I was like thirteen when that came out. So that that was very, very good timing. I think had I been a little younger, Die Hard might have affected me that heavily. I was already Lethal Weapon was before Die Hard, yeah. I think it was a year before, yeah. So I was already a Lethal Weapon nut. You know, I love that. And Die Hard was to me just yet like another great um sorry, I, I have a cat that's trying to get my attention. They're fine, they're they're not uh, they're not hurt. They're just trying to get my attention. And if he's looking for trouble, I'll see that he gets it. That's all. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Why don't we cut that out? No, this is not helping your case. Watch what you say. <laughs> and what was, uh, what was, did you have any impressions of, of, uh, of Rickman as a, you know, because that, that was his first movie. Like Rickman yeah. had done some BBC TV series and some, obviously, yeah. a lot for the Royal Shakespeare Company, but that was his first movie. Yeah. 
I, I, I liked him. I thought he was great. I, I didn't, you know, the movie didn't change my life the way it changed your life. I know it changed, it altered your, the course of your life. And for me, I thought it was, it was another really great reason to be alive that, you know, that time of movies, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a movie that I, um, that changed my life. It didn't like, it didn't excite me more than lethal weapon. I was already still kind of a lethal weapon devotee and not that there's there's only one but i think i kind of leaned into that the team building aspect the howard hawks kind of quality which we talk a lot about the show mm-hmm. lethal weapon as opposed to the lone guy um uh, i liked the the team the the partner thing a lot so hmm. both Joel films and both uh great scores by michael Kamen, where and we both fantastic to christmas movies that that don't actually relate to christmas in any real normal way well now that this is this is the the big debate is do you do you you know would you call die hard a christmas movie oh uh, i'm totally yeah yeah to me, die hard is a christmas uh, yeah I read. See, a I great... think Lethal Weapon is a movie that happens to be at Christmas, whereas Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Wait I, I just think... a minute. I think I... you're sitting here, but uh, yeah. By you, Peter, because uh, I read something on Facebook the other day about why it is a Christmas movie. Well, I mean, Lethal Weapon happens to be at Christmas. There's not a lot of themes in there with Christmas, whereas Die Hard is has this sort of. Uh, uh, a man who has done wrong and is then, you know, like he's he's been a dick to his wife, and it's mm. so it's sort of a, a journey where he's he's reconciled, and you know, it's got a, a sort of an almost a Scrooge-like element to it. His wife is called Holly for a start, right? Um, you know, the limo driver is called Argyle, and at the end there are uh, there are uh, papers, you know, sort of fluttering down, kind of like snow out of the building, you know. And, right, and this went into a whole thing of comparing it to all of the tropes that are in all of the Hallmark movies, too, and talking about how you, you can find every single one of those in, in, in Die Hard. I would like to see a Hallmark movie featuring Hans Gruber, you know, or just international terrorism in general. I think it well, should happen, you know, why not? Why, why not have a, a woman who breaks down in a small town, you know, with a hunky, hunky... Uh, mechanic guy and she's she has a life in the big city and then you know but then a bunch of international terrorists um swoop in i think that's right i think you could make a case for lethal weapon having similarly i mean holly's a good one i'll give you that that's good Mm. but i think that you know the uh that it doesn't corner the market on redemption i mean uh you know the uh, lethal weapon is is about redemption much more than die hard is well that's because it's a mel gibson movie and mel gibson is jesus christ in every single movie that he makes that was my second point so it has a lot a lot of christmas vibes yeah and it starts with a christmas song does die hard uh almost Almost well, that's not as... that's different than yes. That's true. <laughs> different than yes. No, it, it no it's straight off the jingle jingle bell rock straight off straight off the bat as the credits roll in Lethal Weapon, Christmas in Hollis, run DMC about ten minutes into it, five minutes into okay. it. So, I think close, they're neck but... and neck. I think it's fascinating that they're both to, to me, they're both Christmas movies. Interesting. You know, uh, they both are. All right. All right. In, in uh, an oblique way. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, you guys are both awesome in the uh, in the podcast. Uh, we, we, we featured Tony. We haven't mentioned Matthew, but Matthew plays three different roles. One of the reasons I don't have... Well, Matthew features briefly in the trailer, um, but one of the reasons I, I haven't pulled up other... My voice ain't so bad if you don't listen too hard. 
Oh. Uh, there's, there's some meow moments here. Is, uh, um, is Matthew is in uh, episodes which haven't been released yet. So oh. uh, there's, okay. there's two other parts he plays which would be, um, you know, perhaps too big a spoiler. Oh, well, I... all right. Well, that makes sense. Um, the show you is terrific. We're, I'm proud to be on it. I can't speak for Matthew, but I'm very happy to be involved. And <laughs> I'm, I'm very I, proud, very proud. But I, I don't remember anything about it. It was, it was such a. It's all a blur to me. So when I, when I get to hear what I, I do, I'll be surprised. Well, it's one of the things with the isolation of of Zoom and and which is both perhaps a bit odd artistically as actors, where we're working in these bubbles. But it also means that I can pull from this wonderful international array of talent you know i've got you guys i've got friends in the uk i've got you know an actor from the the royal the royal shakespeare company you know like a, who i grew up with doing playing tony uh, uh and then i've got another actor who uh you know did shakespeare at the old globe in san diego and then was on broadway playing his brother carl those two guys have never met you know and i tape the the latter mm. actor in new zealand you know so it's it's and then they all send me these audio files and i put them all together and everybody um seems to be organically interacting but it's all the sort of wow. magic of audio drama editing and then it's been super fun like um doing the sound design and, and putting in the explosions and playing with the stereo thing so it really is it's a sort of a basically an audio movie that i'm trying to create so um, much like the uh, the silent films that that are this is a talk about a segue much like the silent films that are are the film that we're discussing today almost could have been because it was so old uh I, I do you mean it's like the opposite of that because this is all audio and that's all silent no it was a stupid oh. way to try to make a segment into discussion oh, okay our, fair our, enough our, our movie have well, unless seen, have, unless th this episode's already almost a full length long maybe we should discuss our <laughs> maybe we should discuss the movie next week <laughs> Well, let's, I, no, let's get to I'm rain. Always looking for an excuse to just sort of crowbar my way into to Arkinian life. It's, so a, now, it's, a, it's always a pleasure. It's and always now we a have pleasure. to crowbar you out so that we can it's get a, to the movie. It's I've, always a no. It's totally entirely my fault. This is produced. It's, I will take responsibility. This was not well handled. This was spur of the moment. That was delightful. And, uh, you know, this is what happens. Before um, he leaves, though, I do want to show him the photograph of uh, Fiona Hill and Snape. <laughs> Fair enough. It, equally, though, it could be argued there is there was a photo that someone had of Adam Driver, I think, as Kylo Ren, you know, uh, and someone had written like, uh, "This is a young Snape movie that I want to see." Yeah, um, definitely. And and I actually think if if my audio drama, you know, like someone in Hollywood, Twentieth Century Fox is like, we won't sue you if we can use the basis of your script pay you five dollars and, and make a that's a, not yeah, how it works they will sue you and then do and then take it and, and then and, take it and, yeah. and, yeah. and listen to the lamentations of your women as they said in Conan. <laughs> well if anyone if anyone uh from uh you know is out there uh, no we don't we can't we can't do that no We're i not believe it's looking I believe for money it's, on shows like this no 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 I, I believe it's uh it's called fair use you know it's a satire which is uh, uh Called a transformative work, so I I'm think surprised I'm... you didn't do this homework before you did. You're wrong. <laughs> it might have been a better way to do it, but um, but no, but I I think Adam Driver would actually make a terrific young Hans um, if he can get the. I don't know what the kids want to see today. You, you talk to the yeah, I know. About no, that. I'm 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 becoming an old fart myself, so I don't know. I don't know. But um, uh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. You guys are both brilliant in the show, and 
Uh, for anyone, it's called Old Habits, The Rise of Hans. It's where you, you find podcasts. And uh, uh, yeah, and I hope you follow and, and download it like you guys have been enjoying the, uh, the Arkin Brothers. Great. So good to see you, Peter, as always. Thanks for stopping. Bye-bye. Hello. Hello. I'm off. <laughs> so he's built an entire universe around yeah. Die Hard. That's very cool. It, it's right. actually very what was surprising about it is how in-depth it is so it's like literally the show is like it's you think it's going to be kind of a sketch comedy because I, I i think at first i thought because of the idea it was going to be a sketch but it's not it's an incredibly detailed densely written epic about his former mm. life which is very cool i look forward to uh hearing it um did you watch uh you know did you watch the movie for this week rain yeah Yes, of course I did. Where did you see it? What? What? What's? How did you come across this old, antiquated movie? I I believe I watched it on, uh, it, was it on uh on Amazon Prime that I had it, or it was it on one of my streaming services? That's cool. I'm just curious, like, you know, where people see these old time films. Yeah. It was it was on Amazon Prime or Hulu or maybe it was on Hulu. I got it. For, it was free because it's it's all public domain now. I think. Um, I was able to watch it for free. Or You're maybe wrong. It a, maybe it was a dollar ninety nine, but it was Amazon Prime or Hulu or Freevee or Tubi f or Foovy or Fribbledy. Yeah. Well, this is not helping your case. Watch. Um. <laughs> Okay, that's great. So, yeah, so I, yeah, I got to watch it. Had you ever seen Young Joan Crawford before? I had never seen Young Joan Crawford before, and I got to tell you, my whole life, I'd only seen old Joan Crawford, and my whole life, I was like, "This woman's a star. This woman's a star. How did this? How did this happen? What? What, what is that about?" Now that, you this know. Makes no sense. And now and I was like, "Now oh, you know." Oh my god! Yeah. That woman is a star. Is a superstar. I know. Yeah. That's one of the and things. Then, then the question arises, what happened? Um, because because if uh, that um, that young woman, it, it, it's to me, it's like, oh, they did a, a body snatchers body swap at some point. Because oh, handsome. Why can't you let me alone? I think, I think that you i understand what you mean but i it's kind of hard when you're dropping into like all old crawford which is kind of like a melodrama and very like arch and crazy and then see only one of her early movies she was a star for a long time so like she made a lot of movies more like this and was in silent films and bridged the gap into talkies like you know she she'd been working for ages i think i think she struggled with um with becoming an you know with aging a little bit with becoming a mature woman it, it, i think she her identity was so entrenched in that kind of flapper this kind of what you see in this movie i think it was probably kind of hard for her to age up although she did amazing performances in films where she was you know hitting her 30s and 40s um too um i don't know really why she has the reputation ba based on the stuff i've seen from the old days like 20 like grand hotel and stuff she's incredible spectacular in this movie um and and this her style too right like her whole 
her look, her, her, you know, it's not just the performance, but her mm. iconic, the, the way that she used makeup and her costumes and everything that she, her physicality, she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Breathtaking in this. Breathtaking. Fun thing, isn't it? When you you can you see an old movie after years of like of not understanding why somebody is talked about, and then you finally see something, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I you know it. she completely. I don't know what you're talking about. Completely blew me away. Um, and 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 there's somebody. There's a lot of people in this movie though that need to be mentioned. Oh, for sure. I this is a pretty terrific movie for me. Like I I I had you seen it before? I'd never seen it before. Didn't know anything about it, and will be watching it again. Yeah, I, 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 I bought, I saw it, and then I immediately went out and got a copy of it to own. And um, oh, you're awful good. Huh? Been a fan of it for about ten years, and and um, it's uh, it, it's worth like going into a little bit uh, about um what it is. So this is a this is a story that was first uh, a short story by. Mm -hmm. Somerset Maugham, famous British writer. Um, and then it was adapted into a play. Uh, and then it was made into two different films. Uh, this was either the second film. I think this, this was, was the, the second, second film version of it. So there was a long legacy and there'd been famous mm. people had played this character, Sadie Thompson before the part Gloria, of Gloria Swanson, Gloria right. Swanson played it. And then um, uh, Rita Hayward, Rita Hayworth, I believe, then played it in 58. Okay, okay. Um, and that I didn't remember it was Hayworth, but it'd been around, the story had been around. And the character Sadie Thompson, I think, be kind of come like a, a famous archetype almost of yeah. like a fallen woman, flapper girl, kind of tough guy, tough guy, gun mall kind of type. And um, my kind of gal, basically. Who, who doesn't like that kind of gal? That's fantastic um anyway she gets she gets on her way kind of escaping from her past she gets waylaid in in the south south pacific and on a small island on her way to apia and uh is that how you pronounce it apia apia, apia, apia? i think they call it in the movie and um, Beach or because of us because of a outbreak of i guess cholera or something on the boat they can't use the boat for two weeks and it's out of commission and it's during monsoon season so they're just stuck on this island with a small group of people almost like an agatha christie story in the beginning you know um and it's this uh this character sadie and then this uh this religious kind of political figure this religious um uh church guy uh, who and his wife who are traveling the South Seas doing um, missionary work and they all kind of clash with also a group of soldiers that are there. It's old-fashioned melodrama but Sadie Thompson you are doomed. Oh you make me laugh. Soldiers who are all too happy to have a woman of ill repute amongst them. Yeah they're delighted. Um, and the reformer who is and his wife who is not happy to have? Yeah, it, our our producers are are typing in something. This is a really interesting point. This this movie was not a success. It was a box office flop. It did not get critically well received at the time, and it's also Crawford's least favorite film of hers, which is sad to me because it that indicates that she really was talking about she her her benchmark must have been box office must have been money because this is 
this is held up as a really great movie. I think like, yeah. this is a classic. Um, and it's a shame that it didn't do more business then. I, I think it's great. And there is, there isn't a moment in the movie or a performance that doesn't hold up for me. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm there with you. I have a few things that I could quibble about, but to me, it's, uh, it's a complete classic, just a classic. Um, you have a much keener eye than I do. Do I? No. I thought you were making a pun, uh, which I didn't understand, because Catherine Keener's not in this. No, but she's in my list of people who will be in the remake. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she interesting. is. Interesting. Okay, is we'll get to life. that. I'm excited about yeah. that. <laughs> um, what do you think? What, what there's a there's an aspect of this movie that knocks me out. Which I which I encounter every time I see a movie from this period, it's the right before the code started. It's pre-code movies, like late pre-code movies, right? Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, the code was the censorship. I don't know what you're talking about. Studio self-imposed censorship about things like you know sex or drug use or or anti-american sentiment or was it kefauver was it sd's kefauver commission that did the code i don't i don't know the kefauver commission is not familiar to me i could be wrong hayes code the hayes code is what i know it as um, kefauver might have been the huac the house on america oh, okay Act. yeah might have been, no, no. this is the hayes code which is uh which you know makes me want to knock my head against the wall yeah, yes. I mean, people, it really wrecked Hollywood in a lot of ways. And what's really interesting for young film goers who are trying to look at the history of Hollywood is to hit this point where before the code, but late in the game. So the Hollywood system was already up and running. You had stars like Joan Crawford who were recognizable then in talkies, making movies about things and showing you things that you probably thought weren't allowed in movies. Right. There's no nudity in this movie, although there was nudity in some pre-code movies even. So it was much more tasteful than, you know, kind of raw stuff that we see today. But it's really surprising how adult it is, right? This movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very. Um, it's also amazing how, for this time, how negative the portrayal is of a what was then a fairly common and held up religious sentiment comes off very badly in this movie can you elaborate what which uh, what are you exactly? well a, a reformer like like that that those that that and is today a mainstream there there's a strong moral mainstream reformer thread that runs through the american psyche that is eviscerated in this movie and, yeah it's and, eviscerated and per, portrayed as as the 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 opposite of you know, it, this takes somebody who is uh, a, a woman of ill repute, probably a prostitute. Definitely, well, she's pretty much named as a. I mean, she's pretty yeah, much called out as a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. a prostitute, uh, a woman of loose morals, who 
is and an ex-con as it turns out yeah and who is in the in the moral framework of this movie high high above the person who is morally upright right and is saying all the thing that none of the dialogue he has um goes against that philosophy that's what's interesting too he doesn't say anything that goes against the church it's this it's the actions he takes and the look in his eye while he says them no my poor child it is not your fault and um, and and you know it's it's it was interesting watching this movie at, at the same time that this other movie uh oh what's it what's it called now the movie that's out now about jerry falwell and his wife sleeping with the pool boy um mm. God forbid is the, the movie, you know, and it's like, yeah, like we, we see this time and time again, that these people who have these, these mega churches and hold themselves up as paragons of virtue fall yeah. and, and are, and are false. And, and this yeah, are fa- more that, than that. They fall. They're false. Exactly. That they're, yeah. that they're, they're, they're full of shit <laughs> that it's yeah, not they're actually, complete, they're complete yeah. hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what's so surprising about this movie is that, even like this is 1932 yeah yeah 1932 made in 1931 probably um going after the church and that established fundamentalist stuff like harder than we will go after it today in movies they they paint it as evil in this film yeah they literally paint it as like a demonic evil the thing almost plays like a horror movie you know, it could almost be a Val Luton movie. Like, it's almost like that kind of uh, um, RKO horror movie. Um, psychological thriller almost. Because, you know, the, you really don't know what's going to happen. If you don't know the story, and I hadn't read the short story or seen the play, you know, you're really worried about Sadie. And what's what's freaky about the movie is that there's a point where you don't take this guy seriously at all. And then there's a moment where she gets afraid and you realize oh my god she's in actual peril right and he does have a lot of power he has an enormous amount of power not officially but just he just does and he he has the same power that somebody like trump has now that that there there are people who are too afraid of his wrath yeah yeah so that they will do what he says because they're 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 afraid of what of the impression that they will make on his followers right even though the the person who represents the the middle of the road america in this movie uh who i would say is is uh dr mcphail who's the middle of the road fella is sort of his attitude the whole thing is like uh Maybe, you know, maybe you should leave her alone. And I, I don't really agree with, with what you're doing. And uh, okay, I will go talk to the governor and try and get him to relent and let her stay on the island. But he doesn't stand up to him and say, like the rest of America then and now, no. doesn't say, hey, this is fucked and we're not going to stand for it. Well, yeah, like like Sadie does, and like her boyfriend does, the uh, the fantastic um, what's his name, um, William Gargan, who oh, plays the Sergeant O'Hara, the guy who falls in love with Sadie and wants to take her away from all this and kind of rescue her, and he really does. You see, they they fall for each other legitimately and 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 quickly. I could have used a little bit maybe if I was to 
if I was to pick a couple of things to to pick at, I could have I could have used a little more of them getting to know each other. I could have learned a little bit more about him. Mm. Um, maybe a little bit. The movie is short and it goes by pretty quickly. So um, or at least it feels like it does. Remember, I, I was... told you if you ever needed a friend, I'd be here. Well, you need a friend right now. That shot. Oh my god! And there are there are there's photography in this movie too that just like uh, you can't uh, believe it. Yeah, spectacular. The circular the circular roundabouts that the movie takes in my notes. Yeah. The that the, oh my god! That's Everything getting, going around yeah, and around all the time. Around the table and then around the outside on the porch. Just incredible. And one of the best, one of the best cinematic um, reinterpretations of a stage play that I've ever seen in that, you know, it's very, it reminded me of Key Largo in, Mm -hmm. in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but even better than that. And I think it is that circular, that, that motion that we all, we, we, we feel trapped in this space and we're spinning in it. Um, yeah, you know, Lewis Milestone, who directed this and was also known for, very famous for the, the original <clears throat> All Quiet on the Western Front, which was an, another early sound film that was, you know, that still holds up as one of the best war movies ever made. It's certainly an anti-war movie. Um, interesting now, because they just did a remake of it. And everybody's like, have you seen All Quiet on the Western Front? I'm like, have you seen the original one? Lewis Milestone did a good one. See that one too. Yeah. Um, anyway, famous director. He went on, he had a long career. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front, the front page. He went all the way to Ocean's Eleven with Sinatra. Like that, he did a lot of films, this guy. Wow. Known for kind of inventing and creating uh, uh, the tracking shot as we know it today. Um, apparently he invented as the kind of track to use and used it a lot. You see it in All Quiet on the Western Front. His movies are fast edited. There's a quick pace to them in the editing, even with a psychological drama. You know, there's there's really it, it has a lot of speed to it and a lot of camera movement, which you which you see like, you know, you see in Scorsese movies. You can see Scorsese like looking at this style of work back from the 30s and kind of adapting it and 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 making it fresher. But I don't know how much fresher anybody made it. Like this movie looks fantastic. Yeah. Our producers are pointing out that there are bars in almost every shot, beaded curtain, the pier, slats on the window, et cetera. This, this uh, sense of them being trapped. And uh, I also love the, the use of the drums, the drum motif, the mm. primitive drums, particularly under the scene between Walter Houston and her, where he's really working on her, but we're hearing that primitive beat which is clearly symbolizing what's going on inside for him while he's trying to pretend that it's not yeah and also kind of doing an interesting flip you know it's like the 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 life that we see that the that the locals live that the people from the islands live is actually one it looks beautiful harmonious you know part of nature they're um, in the garden of eden peaceful it's described as such and although it's a little patronizing because it's made by white dudes, um, th- I still think their heart was in the was in a really good place in in the sense that unlike a lot of movies at that time where locals or indigenous people were really seen as backwards, maybe by by the movie, 
this this really did a lot to try to say no this is this is how this is we've strayed from the right way to live here and well even with the symbolism this... the symbolism the the one of the most um uh, memorable uh images of the islanders in the movie is a direct biblical reference of fishers the, of men the, the fishers of men that they're out there collecting the and it, it's juxtaposed with this this preacher who's you know buttoned up and pretending to be the voice of of jesus and righteousness mm -hmm. who is cruel and lecturing right and here are these people living living what is a christian a real christian existence right but even the drums that you mentioned they are only heard underneath him not that you don't see them with these drums no you see one performance that they give to him and his wife yeah but outside of that you see them working playing taking care of their children doing living their life the only time you hear the you know the 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 that that idea of like oh the menacing jungle drums that start are in his head they're yeah. they're they're his that's his savagery that they're trying to uh, show us and I thought that was just really um, subtle and interesting uh, social politics going on in, in an early film. Uh, cool. To the, watch. They didn't go too far with it, though, because for a while I was really afraid of what they were going to get to when the drums stopped, because sometimes when the drums stop, you get the worst thing of all, which is the bass solo the bass solo yeah you don't want it so please keep the drums going yeah please keep them going for those of you out there who know that joke and if you um, don't write to us and we'll tell it to you if you don't you just you're not old and fun like us um, i'm sorry for everybody in the world i guess so the design of the movie is ins insanely beautiful um the the i mean i was thinking about how hard it is to, to to pull off what they did which is to take to to create a setting and a mood of a a very very lush rainy tropical um island in the pacific that you're creating out of sets on a sound stage uh rain machines some um rear screen projection of real things behind actors and then actual shots from of b-roll of the islands and then also stuff that they're stealing on the back lot right well it was there's filmed a on shot catalina actually there's a there's a shot of them um like well you can see like it's the santa monica it's like the santa monica pier the catalina pier that they're underneath at one point right. um and to make all of those elements come together believably is is something that everybody just kind of sleepwalks through now with with computer generated uh, backgrounds and imagery but back then yeah, to sew all those things see, together as you can see from what i've been able to accomplish today, oh it's incredible i believe like that you are in a black and white illustration yeah <laughs> um so the design's incredible it's just really great and how there are all these rain effects going on in the shots and they're not you can still hear the actors holy willy look at this like the recording of it is incredible. You know, how, how, how is the rain not overtaking all those shots? That they're Strange how one's thoughts run to food when there's nothing else to think of. Um, 
So had you seen a lot of um, Walter Houston uh, before this? Full Gold. Full, yeah. full Gold. Treasure no. Sierra Madre, of course. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Devil and Daniel Webster. Right. Um, Was he Dodsworth? No. Um, it's great. I love him. I feel like he leaned really hard into this monotone kind of performance, which was brave. I, I thought maybe it was a little, maybe a tad much. And I love him. This is all out of absolute respect, but I feel like um, it got a little, it, got, it just got a tiny bit arch for me at, at times. Mm, I love arch. Uh, I do too, but it pays off though in those close-ups at the end of him, man. When oh he loses God. it. Yeah. Yeah. He Charles G. Stumar was a cinematographer of rain. I have uh Oliver T. Marsh as the cinematographer of rain, but I just get my info from IMDB there, so maybe don't, I'm wrong. Don't argue, people. Um, I'm not arguing, I'm just wondering where why we're wrong, why why one of us is wrong about that. We'll get it straightened out. Um, so, uh, you know, any any nitpicky things that you that you could nitpick? No, I loved it. I loved well, you it. You can love I, it and still have, you know. I, mean, I don't have any nitpicking. I loved every moment of it. I do have a question for you. Um, did I, am I wrong to be picking up <laughs> references to 1928, the 1928? You're wrong. The 1928 French film, The Passion of Joan of Arc, in the shots of her when she's redeemed? No, when she, probably. When she is either redeemed or pretending to be redeemed? Probably because not. You don't, think, you don't think I'm wrong about that? I don't think you're wrong about that. No, I mean, I, th it, I would bet that it would be hard. You'd be hard-pressed to find another close-up of a woman from a big movie that didn't somehow have to deal with Passion of Joan of Arc in <laughs> yeah. a way. You know, but they there are, it seems like they're referencing that iconography for sure. This I is mean, just a few years afterwards. Mm -hmm. And the, the lighting and the, look, the angle and the look and everything that she's doing just seems so so much a reference to that and then and then we find out it's false yeah well also as one of the big <clears throat> religious iconic you know religious movies of the time yeah about a woman they would they would probably have been conscious of it and referencing it i certainly thought of it i mean in the way just like the way that they're lighting her tears even it's similar her, her, you've never seen eyes that were just more ready to like fill up with waterworks. Like it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, look, I'm, I, and I'm only going to bring up things that I can nitpick because it's fun. And I think every movie has a couple of things that, you know, I, th this makes the movie no less dear to me. I, I don't love it any less. I'm just thinking of like, could there have been things that would make it even better? And this is on my third viewing now or fourth viewing. So I still think that Houston Houston got less stage bound as an actor as he got older. I wish I'd seen just a little bit more. Um... <laughs> I'm glad we're seeing that right now. <laughs> the, the waterworks. Oh, she's turning on the waterworks, which oh, she's is turning us. On the waterworks. It's there us. it is. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Um so I would say that I, you know, I love Beulah Bondi. I think that she was a tad overdone in the spinster department, like in the spinster department, like 
she was she was a, just a tiny bit like over the edge for me. Yeah, okay, all right. I love Bula Bondi though. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, you know, come on, she's in, she's Mrs. Bailey, and it's a wonderful life. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I guess I, as I said, I wanted a little bit, maybe just, and I'm just talking a little bit more development of O'Hara. Okay. Um, Sergeant O'Hara and, and, and maybe a little bit more of what he was doing. They cut away to him when he's put in the stockade, you know, or in the brig for like two seconds, maybe a little bit more of him in his world with his guys thinking of how he's going to solve this problem would have been nice. Okay. Um, and maybe a tiny bit more. Uh, suspense as the clock ticks down to Tuesday because she's got to get on this boat that she doesn't want to get on on Tuesday. And they keep saying that, but we don't, I never felt like I knew exactly what day we were in. And so the suspense of that encroaching and the different things that they were trying to do to beat the clock maybe could have been heightened a tiny bit. These are really nitpicky when you compare it to like all the absolutely amazing stuff. Oh, you're awful good. Awful good. Her, um, her, her scream when she finally lets go at him and screams at him is oh. unbelievable. I bet when you were a kid, you caught flies and tore their wings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spectacular. And so is Gargan when, when uh, Sergeant O'Hara lets him have it. Yeah. Like sparks are flying. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about Guy Kibbe and uh, and Walter Catlett? <laughs> please, the, 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 the two the two please. comic relief characters in yes, this movie. Please, the quartermaster. The quartermaster is I. I what a romp that fantastic man! Is. Just, just great. His drunken fabulousness mm-hmm. when he intru- and her introduction when 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 he comes out and he says. Uh, I want you to meet the boys. And she's like, boys. Ready? <laughs> meet the boys. 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 Oh, it's so Boy. cool. So cool. <laughs> awesome. Just one of the yeah, I mean, the two those two guys were in so many things, so many capper movies and westerns, and like they were just Warner Brothers backlot staples. They were in everything. Yeah. Bring up baby. Guy Cabiz, and I think in every, I think by contract in every Western ever made, I think he yeah. literally had to be. It was a union rule. Um, I, there's some dialogue in this that got written down in my in my bullet journal. Yeah. Um, t- two two lines in particular, because I I have a page for quotes and sayings, not not mm-hmm. from movies, but just anything that I hear that's like, <laughs> okay, that's that's a phrase that I want to come you know, trippingly out of my own mouth. Right. Let me guess. A lot of these phrases came from Guy Kibbe in this movie. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm not even sure I remember who said, said them. Well, he he, as the hotel proprietor. He's kind of like the, the, the day drinking slob who just kind of philosophizes all day long. You don't mind, do you? Seeing we're here all by ourselves. If I sit down and have a skag with you boys. Not at all. Have a drink. Thanks. Oh, one of them's from Gargan, actually, which I just something that I found incredibly moving and also true. Knowing the worst to begin with isn't always the worst way to begin. That makes me want to cry. It's a great line. Their, Their romance is beautiful, I think. The fact that he accepts her 
you know, that he that they make it known that he knows her background and her past. And he doesn't and that he's totally cool about it. Like, and you really believe that he's just that's this kind of like working class, decent, honest guy. And you kind of like go, I think he's I think he could make a good life for her. So like I you kind of and somehow once, buy that they could do it, you know? Yeah. Them that kick highest always seem to settle down hardest. It's great. It's great stuff. I love uh Guy Kibbe's line. We've all crossed thresholds we're not proud of. Yep. Yeah. Which in a way could be the philosophy of the movie. It's like every if everybody just accepted that. You know, if we all just <clears throat> copped to that, the world would be a much better place. And then what she says, which shows why she's a better person than than uh, Houston. I'm sorry for everybody in the world, I guess. Mm. Great. I'm sorry for everybody in the world, I guess. Um. Yeah. Uh just great stuff ah good old nietzsche <laughs> yeah ah good old nietzsche that's a great i say that all the time yeah who does it <laughs> yeah yeah this rain i've got to go to the penitentiary for three years this rain and those drums that's something else i've said many a time <laughs> uh growing up next to adam's bedroom um yeah there are two shots in this oh did you did you have other lines? One other, which was when she says, he says, I've got to accept an unjust punishment by man as a sacrifice for my sins. And, that, and why that, would you do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, there's two, sh I mean, in a movie full of amazing <sighs> photography and, and there are two shots that are, man, they're powerful to me. They're, they're 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 shots of her and they're again that lewis milestone moving camera where when she um the camera booms down over his shoulder at one point when she kneels at his feet she he actually uh, gets her to kneel in front of him and it's a awful thing to see it's yeah. just it's really disgusting it's yeah. also kind of sexually perverse it's physically demeaning it's a lot of things and the camera booms down over his shoulder into this close-up of her as she's going down to her knees, and it is powerful stuff. Yeah, and she's rough. looking up at him as if he's the sun. And then they have a reverse of that. This shot when she's with Gargan, her boyfriend, and she's like, "No, he's a holy man," and the camera goes extreme low angle like right on the floor and she comes down into this close-up with gargan over her shoulder looking down at her and she's looking past the camera at the floor like lit by what looked like the fires of hell because that's what it kind of implies i mean the dynamics of of these camera moves and up and i mean it's just it's fantastic it's just fantastic it got me crazy um, no i wouldn't if i was you interesting bit of trivia that um Crawford was going was going through her split up with Douglas Fairbanks Jr. during the filming of this, and while they were filming the movie, had an abortion. I read that. I read that, which is uh, I don't quite know how to wrap my head around that. Yeah, even, as a as a human being going through that and then having to play this part, um, 
I don't, that's crazy. Yeah. And I, you know, you wonder what part, what, how, how that informed this, all of that informed this movie and this performance, yeah. which makes sense. <clears throat> um, if she's, if she, um, you know, uh, really believed in this part because apparently she also like she really re researched this role she she was hanging she went down to like the piers in san diego was hanging out with prostitutes and like local kind of riffraff people to like learn about how to behave and yeah i did that, <laughs> I, did that. I did that once yeah but you didn't have a part in something oh that's just, right. she was re she was I researching did. it's just what i did um, after school <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and so like she really clearly took it seriously. And I think the work speaks for itself that she did so that she turned against the movie because it didn't make money. I could see after having been through all that to make this film and it got bad reviews, she probably would hate it, but it's sad because it's unnecessary. It's beautiful work. I even think something about what maybe she didn't like it. I'm trying to imagine what she didn't like about it. And there's something kind of about, her that looks like she's got she's playing costume dress up a little bit which i i think works for the move for this part because sadie thompson is is trying to figure out who she is too she's dressing up she's she's expressing herself in this way and may not her she's on the run so she she may herself not be totally comfortable in this world yet but she has to live in it to survive and i thought that kind of came through a little bit um so okay. we both like this movie that's fantastic okay. so who am i who are you um you i kind of had you as the middle of the road doctor i thought you would have been well played that played that guy so okay. did i that's what i had myself as yeah and, and you? i had i had me as the as the boat captain the boat captain well the ensign the 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 guy the 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 guy who, wait just a minute the drunk, the drunk, the drunk guy hello guys meet here in the frozen north in the land of the eskimo goodbye mr davidson walter catlett yeah, yeah walter okay i well i i was close to that. i had you as as similar guy kibby but there, oh, i was kibby okay yeah we so, could I, yeah in a way we could have kibby i could have we could have played any of these yeah these you have me as the boring the boring middle of the road guy and uh and you as one of the more entertaining interesting characters and i felt the but same i'm way. only in two scenes whereas you're throughout the whole movie so <clears throat> who are you complaining to sir that's true i get a boring part but i get paid more than you do okay what's the double bill the double for me the double feature was pretty woman <laughs> Back in Illinois, where I was raised, it was generally believed that a person who stayed away from business more than one working day in every ten years was a loose, dangerous, and depraved character. Yeah, it's funny because she could have played. She could have played Sadie Thompson. Yeah, yeah, she could have. So yeah, Pretty Woman. How about you? I'm, I'm doing a triple bill. Oh, okay. I'm, doing, I'm doing a triple bill with the original Dracula from 1931 and the most dangerous game from 1932. Time to go to bed. Huh. Most dangerous game being a double like pertinent because it's about, you know, lovers trapped on an having to get off a jungle island because they're being hunted by a, a maniac, which is this. <clears throat> and also Dracula, because I 
completely feel that they're ripping off some of the close-ups of the hypn the hypnotizing effects of Dracula that oh, he uses okay. on his victims. I see in this movie the way that Davidson's looking at her in these close-ups. I definitely. And how and do why you would you do that? How do you watch this movie? I didn't come up with a way. Just see it. Put it in your face. Like, yeah. you know, if you can get to a real theater to see it, that would be great. But sometimes just seeing something at night alone on your TV by yourself so you could be fully shocked is the right way. I, where I can we stay? I have a weird one, and I'm not exactly sure why I feel this way about it. And maybe it reveals something twisted about my psyche. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a spectacular early on in your relationship date movie. Great one. Because, you know, what it says about, because, because, you know, if, if you're somebody who identifies with, with, um, with Sergeant O'Hara and, and you're trying to tell a, a woman who you're interested in that that's, that's how you look at the world. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's what I think of it. Okay, I think you're. I think it would be a great date movie. I don't want to. I honestly don't. <clears throat> Here's the thing: if anybody out there listens to this and they're gonna watch a movie because we talked about it, there's literally. I don't want to spoil the ending of this movie. Yeah, I really don't. Let's not. Then it's it's a it's a really scary film. There it's are very things scary. about it that are heartwarming, but it's a really ner nerve wracking movie. And and I don't want to tell people how it ends. No. So, for once, we're know. not going to spoil it. But I I of 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 all the movies that we've covered of the one hundred okay. and now the now one hundred and four movies that we've covered, this is definitely in my top ten list. Let's say let's let's refine that and say, oh, that's amazing. Okay, I didn't. I thought you were talking about something else. This this movie is top ten for you of all the movies we've done on the show. Yeah. Great. Great. I think it's a master. I think it's kind of a masterpiece too. So I'm I'm really glad you liked it. Um, do you have a recasting? I do. I do. I do my recast from the past, but this time that was more past. So I'm doing an '80s recast. Okay. So my '80s recast of Rain goes as follows: as Sadie, Kim Basinger. Yeah. Okay. As Good. Reverend Davidson, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. As Mrs. Davidson, Geraldine Chaplin. Wow. As the hotel owner, Ned Beatty. Yeah. And <laughs> as Sergeant as Sergeant O'Hara, a young Christopher Walken. Wonderful. That's really good. Really Thank good. You. I worked hard on that one. Okay. Um, I did a present day recast. Okay. So re let's remake it now. With Sadie, uh, Julie Garner as Sadie. Julie Garner. Julie Garner, who, it, did you watch Ozark? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I think um, I, 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 I see. I see you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Julie Garner, Daniel Day-Lewis as. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> okay. That's really good, sir. Well done. And hi, Stephen Jules Rubin. Steve. Hi, Stephen Jules Steve. Rubin. How are you? Um, Chris Evans as O'Hara. Great. Captain Great. America, right? Nicely done. Okay. Mike Myers as the innkeeper. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Will Farrell as the quartermaster. 
in a serious turn in a, as a comedy. Wait, in a comic performance in a serious movie. In a serious That's movie. a great idea. Yeah. That's a great um, idea. Nathan Fillion as Dr. McPhail, the nice middle Pretty of the road fantastic. guy. And either Catherine Keener or Tony Collette as Mrs. Davidson. Those are those are both really good choices. I would say, hmm, it's tough between the two of them. I think I would. I guess for me, I'd probably go Colette in the sense that Colette can do really brittle and and you know cold. I think maybe a little bit better than Keener, who's got a kind of a warmth, you know, yeah. like a she's got a sensuality, but every everything she does, I feel like, but. You know, let's go Tony Collette. I love that casting. That's fantastic. That's really good. That I want to see so all good. these versions of it. Yeah. All right. Um, I I have so that wraps up rain. I have no idea what we're doing next week. We, hmm. does this, this Lady wraps, Thompson, you are doomed. This probably wraps up Crawford for I us. think that we should stop Crawford here. We, we're not an oldies channel. We're just no. we just happen to get stuck in a Crawford zone. And I'm really happy to end what was a bit of a punch out at their expense at Crawford. You know, I mean, like you know, <clears throat> Trog and yeah, <clears throat> even though we love Straightjacket and Baby Jane, <clears throat> I'm just proud to like come full circle to go. If you want to know why she was a legit star and a really great actor. <laughs> Go see this and um, and get a full dose of what Joan Crawford could really do, because um, I think it'll be immediately apparent why she was the level of star she was. Yeah, it's good that we ended up on that. Um, there is a, I'm going to throw something out there. I don't know anything about this movie, um, except my daughter is begging us to cover it. Really. And I, yeah, and I'm checking to see if it's available, and it is. It's on Amazon Prime. And my daughter has been begging us to cover, and I don't know if she's a fan of the show or not. I don't know if she, I know she, <laughs> I know she's, a, I know she's a fan of our, um, of our uh, Instagram, but I don't know if she's a fan of the show. I don't know if she's ever watched or listened to an episode of the show. No, which... my poor child, if it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will say that to her. Uh, she's begging us to cover a movie called La Haine. Wow. Let's do it. Which I don't know anything about. It's should a good we, movie. Should we Packs do that a punch. Sure. Packs a punch. It's going in a completely different direction. That's a heavy movie, but really worth it. All right. Well, and I'm, you know, I'm willing to do anything to make my daughter happy. I would love to, whatever I can do to make Abby happy. Are you kidding me? Let's Abby, do happy. it. All right. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, please join us for La Haine, uh, which is 1995. Costa, uh, reminiscent of Z. Uh, who Who's in it? Vincent Cassell. Yeah, in Cassell's it. in it. Yeah. Um, so join us next week for La Haine. Can't wait. Have a good week, everybody. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win the Matthew, then Matthew should win the Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin brothers talk about movies. 
you've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.